Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you as always for another post-game podcast. It is a dud again in Philadelphia again. The final score of the Steelers lose 35-13. to It was as bad as the score indicated. It was worse probably than the score indicated. And while a lot of people might have expected this, there's still a lot of angst. There's a lot of frustration, and rightfully so. We're going to talk about all that more here on this podcast. Joining me as always, Brian Davis. What's up, Brian? Hey, Jeff. It's great to be here. Uh, sorry for the somber face, but I tell you what, I feel like I was punched in the face by watching a team with no silver lining because they keep raining over their own parade. Dave Schofield. What's up, Dave? Well, not much. I, you know, it's bad when Brian's wearing purple, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I got to oh, say this. Oh, gosh, I'm all in shirt. Oh, okay. <laughs> we we had we had a text, well, not a text, a tweet. Um, uh, actually, it was a reply on the knee jerk reaction article to us here at Behind the Steel Curtain. This comes from ELH, which is at E Hayes nineteen eighty three. Says, please positive podcast these next two weeks. We need them. Talk about the Beehive or Dave's kick or something. <laughs> So, yeah, the, I, I understand. I did that last week. I, I talked about some Pittsburgh Steelers positivity. Everyone was so down on the team after Sunday Night Football. There was there were some positives. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's just me watching the game and, and, and with my current lens of the team. It was tough to find any positives. I'm doing my winners and losers column. I'm getting... Um, I'm getting my, winner, my winners and losers podcast notes together. Honestly, right now I have one. I have one player. Dave, what do you want to say? Oh, mine's not a player, but I have a positive. Okay, what is it? Let me. If you say draft position, I'm going to be really No, 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 no. (laughs) You look at these Philadelphia Eagles, and you look at the offensive line that they've built and the more impressive defensive line that they have built, and you have to say to yourself, if Andy Weidel had a part of that, Maybe there's some hope for the Steelers to build something like that in years to come. That's about the best I can do. Yeah, I mean, I know that the uh, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette kind of ran with that angle as well, uh, and they did an article on that. Uh, We'll see. We shall see. But as we always start off the show, let's talk about some uh, knee-jerk reactions. Brian, go ahead. What was your knee-jerk reaction? I'd love to see who your winner was because the only only one I can think of is Nick Skyba. Or Skiba, or however you it was a it, it was a, spe- a special undrafted rookie free agent running back out of uh, Oregon State is a winner for me. You mean Oklahoma State? Oklahoma State, yeah, yeah. not Oregon State. So yeah, it was Jalen Warren. He's a winner yeah. for me. Yeah. But my knee jerk reaction in this game, Jeff and Dave, it, it's simple: just not good enough progress going forward to talk about anything great. It's a good point, Dave. What's your knee jerk reaction? you need to see growth and maybe it was because the high quality of their opponent, but you didn't see really any growth with this team. Um, Just desperately trying to find something. And and it's tough. The knee jerk reaction is where, what can you pull this positive right now? That's the, that's the knee jerk reaction. Yeah. the, The biggest frustration for me as of right now, and I'm still processing everything as we listen to post-game press conferences and all that stuff, is where is the improvement? That is the that is the biggest thing for me. And Dave's called it growth. I'm calling it improvement. It's the same thing. But where is that improvement? That's what I want to see. And it's not just about the quarterback. Yeah, I want to see Kenny Pickett improve. I want to see the offensive line improve. I want to see the running game improve. I want to see the defensive line improve. There's no improvement on this team in any way possible like none i i cannot think of one aspect of this team that they are currently improving upon if anything it looks like they're regressing and this is obviously going to have a lot of people talking about change i'm sure we'll talk about that on this podcast as we go through the stats and things like that that's my knee-jerk reaction that was one of the most deflating losses not because of the opponent they were good philly is a deserving 7-0 team they're going to go on a run because they play some not so great teams coming up. Everyone saw that that was watching the game, but still there, there's, there was no improvement from the Pittsburgh Steelers today. Let's get some super chats up here. Sean Manahan gives us $5 said the only thing positive next week, like Cower said in 2002 against Atlanta, we won't lose. We won't win. 
but we won't lose. This is true. This is true. True words by Coach Bill Cower. Evgeny Crosby gives us 499s. His Big Ben was the problem with this team, right? That's what I was told all last year. Get a mobile quarterback, and this offense would take off. LOL. Uh, yeah, he's using sarcasm there, and, and he's right. There were a lot of people last season that said it's all on Big Ben. Well, I guess maybe we're seeing that it wasn't all on Big Ben. Um, the Steelers went out, and they got themselves a, I guess you would call it a new interior of the offensive line. They struggled mightily against the Eagles' defensive front uh, on Sunday. Then you have you bring in a different quarterback, whether it's Trubisky or Pickett. I don't know. I honestly don't know, but I want to ask you all, let's get this off the table right away. Before we get into stats, change, change. Everyone's going to say change. What, what's change is going to happen over the bye week outside of TJ Watt and DeMonte Casey potentially returning. Brian, is there any change that you foresee happening? It could be roster. It could be coaching staff. It could be anything. There's no change that's going to be happening. Even if you think that they should be happening. Now, this is not me endorsing Mike Tomlin, Matt Canada, Kenny Pickett, anybody. I'm not endorsing anybody. All I'm saying is they're not going to do it. They are not going to make a change. This is, they don't. Very often, you don't see them make those changes mid-season. If you want Tomlin fired, that's your opinion. That's fine. But it's not going to happen now, so you could put it everywhere you want. You could put Canada should be fired. I kind of think Canada should be fired. It's not going to happen. And if it if it does, I'll eat my words and say I'm shocked. But that's just not something they do. All Mike Tomlin is saying that they're going to do is try to get better and keep on forging ahead and maybe try to clean up the penalties by being, bringing officials in. Don't you do that in, in preseason, in training camp? Don't you do that? They are just making dumb things. I mean, making... The players are not playing well. The scheme is not great. But I will honestly say this. This is the first time you're going to hear me saying that I didn't think the scheme was bad this week. The execution on the field was terrible this week. Now, is it going to revert back to being terrible next next time they play? Probably. The offensive coordinator does probably need to go. I get that but they're not making any changes right now. They are going to see what they could do with this year and they'll tinker in the off season might not be good enough, but if you want to blame somebody, blame the Rooney's first and then go on down the line. Hey Dave, you agree or disagree? Any changes happening? There's too many that would need to happen and that you just can't do. You just can't do everything. You can't bench this player, that player, the other player. I mean, there's, you can play clean football or you can play sloppy football and this was just some sloppy football. Are you saying that its players aren't well coached enough or are they not executing on the field? Yes, is probably the answer to that question. Um, it, there's just, it was not a good day. It was a day where the Steelers needed everything to go their way because the team they were playing was so good. And it didn't. They didn't, they didn't finish drives. My goodness, their one, their their single touchdown of the day had the field goal unit on the field for the play. And then and because of a, uh, a bonehead penalty by the Eagles, did they even decide to go for it on fourth down or they wouldn't have had any touchdowns when, when, when you think of it um, from that aspect and they, and they were, and they kept giving up big chunk plays on defense. I thought maybe this defense had made a turn with this after the second half of the Dolphins game. But apparently they didn't. Uh, I mean, they benched Akella Witherspoon. Um, they, I mean, they're at least trying to do something. But um, I heard it somewhere this week um, that, you know, you could fire Matt Canada. You could bring in 1980s Bill Walsh. And this still isn't a Super Bowl team. So is that really the problem? I'm like, it's, it's not that it's not a problem. It's that it's not the only problem. That is, I hope that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Makes sense. So here's here's my thought on Matt Canada. Everyone's Matt Canada fired as of Monday morning. I'm going to tell you why I don't think it's going to happen. It's not that I don't think it's going to be justified if it did, but I, why I don't think it's going to happen. Steelers spent a first-round draft pick on Kenny Pickett. That means a lot. And they have him in that lineup right now. And we've all said it, and I think the Steelers agree with it, and they're abiding by the same philosophy that is once you go there, you can't go back. You have, you have gone past the point of no return. 
taking him out of the lineup now would be it would be detrimental to his it, it could be catastrophic the way that Dave just said. However, keeping Matt Canada in place gives you a scapegoat. I, I hate to say this, but this is the fact of the matter. It gives someone that the fan base, that the media can land based and say it's this guy's fault and not the quarterback that's in the lineup. So unless the Steelers feel that Matt Canada's offense is actually detrimental for Kenny Pickett's development, and some agree with that. Some say that they think it is, that, that having him in this offense is actually hurting his overall progress and overall development. Then you keep Canada, you get through this year, and then after this season you find a new offensive coordinator. That's my reasoning and why I think that he's not going anywhere. They're going to keep him because you don't have anyone that we know of that could take over midseason. And you got to think that sometimes even changing coordinators in the middle of a season could actually hurt a rookie quarterback. We'll see. Um, I don't know, Brian, any more thoughts on that before we get to these super chats? Yeah, you know what? There's just not an answer right now. The answer that everybody wants isn't going to work right now. I mean, I agree. You know, they're going to continue with what they're doing with the season, whether I agree with it or not. Well, anybody on that other end agrees with it or not. They're, they're going to take their own playbook. When I say playbook, how to run a team, and they're going to do it the way they want. Yeah. Dave, anything to add? Let's do the Super Chats. <laughs> All right. Night Rider 16 gives us $5. Says, how can the Eagles have two functional defensive lines that rotate and the Steelers can't get one? This roster isn't as bad as two and six. The coaches are bad. One of those, I, yeah, I, one I of those defensive linemen was a Steeler. <laughs> Javon Hargrave had a hell of yeah. a game against oh his goodness. former team. Um, I, I, I don't see how this roster, how people keep looking at this roster and think that it's great. Uh, I, I don't see that. I, I think it's not. Is. I mean, I mean, I mean, we fall in love with guys that are like number 52 or 53 on the roster. And then we think that they're fantastic because they're familiar to us. But really, I mean, you look at a team like the Steelers played today, their their roster is nowhere close to that of the Philadelphia Eagles. Their roster is nowhere close to that of the Buffalo Bills that, that when they got schlacked by then. I would say I wouldn't even say the roster is anywhere close to that of Miami Dolphins. Yeah. So to, to say, I'm, I'm not saying that the coaches aren't to blame. I'm just saying, don't get a false idea that this roster is something more than what it is. But, you know, you specifically to the, about the defensive line. I mean, when you think about what the Steelers did, I mean, the Steelers had a decision to make and they chose to let Javon Hargrave go in free yeah. agency. It's all where you allocate money and I allocate funds. And so when you think about, you know, these guys getting contracts, he's, you know, it, it does beg the question of, did they make the right moves? It's hindsight's always 2020, but at the same time, there's some players coming up in this off season that they're going to have to make tough calls on someone like Cameron Sutton's contract is up. Do they want to bring him back or do they want to let him walk? These are some of the decisions that will come into play with this stuff. Brian, anything to add to that? No, I'm on board. All right. Very good. Tyler W. He said, uh, can't ignore the big P in the room. Those would be penalties. Yes. I, I felt like the Steelers, you know, it was a shame that Mason Cole and James Daniels weren't flagged. It would have been the, I would have had my bingo card for the entire offensive <laughs> line getting a penalty in this game. I would have been able to cross that one off, but they did not, they didn't come through. So uh, there's that. Tom Muir gives us $5. Let's be honest here. Jeff Parley picks are cursing the team. <laughs> oh, James <laughs> are not going to come this season. Bad was right. No, my parlay picks have been awful. I actually, I don't even know what to say. When you're trying to pick a team like, like this, that's so scattershot when it comes to offense and they can't score points. I mean, when you're betting parlays, unless I want to bet for the other team, that's difficult. I, I was told I, I'm not supposed to do that. I have to pick Steelers players. So <laughs> trying to hmm. find parlays that work is. So, so you're not even allowed to do a bet that would be like, oh, the Steelers are going to give up, you know, a hundred yard rushing. You I, can't I was do one directed, like, that? like you, you want Steeler fans to engage with the parlay. You want them to pick the parlay at this point in time. No, why do you be. can't get any right? I don't know that there's I, three possible things you could bet on that you would get. Well, I mean, if George Pickens could hold onto the ball and if he could, you know, get his feet in bounds and not have offensive pass interference, I would have hit two out of three legs except for the Steelers scoring enough points. So it's tough. Those are tough bets, too. Let's keep it that way. Yeah. All right. You, this is deflating. Okay. <laughs> it is. Let's, it's let's, fresh. <laughs> let's, it is very. Let's start off with some team stats first. I feel like let's do team stat first. This was a team loss. Here are some eye-popping statistics for you. You want to hear about the Steelers' third-down offensive efficiency? Here it comes. Ready? 
One for 12. There you go. One for 12 on third downs. The Pittsburgh Steelers were they were four for four on fourth down. That's not bad. But one for 12 on third down. Red, the red zone, one for three. Thank goodness for uh, Chase Claypool being able to throw a touchdown pass to Derek Watt or else it could have been even worse. Let's talk about the red zone quickly while we're here. What the heck is, is the issue with when the field gets shorter? Is it all the quarterback, in your opinion, that is causing these to, man, when this team gets in the red zone, it's like the, the struggles are real. Brian, what do you think? At this point, yes. And I'm not saying that uh, I'm, done, I'm done with the Kenny Pickett because I'm not. I'm just, he's not getting it done right now. Okay. Nobody's Dave, getting it done, but he's true. not. He's the quarterback. Dave, what do you think about the red zone uh, issues? So you could all you could ask the same thing about the fourth quarter and turnovers. You know, it's just one of those things that kind of seemed to be a thing. Um, I didn't like on their on their touchdown drive. They get down inside the ten, and their first two plays. Well, then they did a run play, and then they throw. What, was that the wildcat? Technically, it was a pass, but I mean, yeah. there's. They didn't on their first two plays. They don't even. They're not even trying to push it into the end zone. I mean, they're, obviously you're trying to run for the end zone, but I mean, I would like to see more passes into the end zone. Well, they then they so they had one shot on third down, didn't get it, and settled for the field goal. And then when it got moved shorter, they decided to go for it. Which I liked the call on the touchdown, but that's such a result-driven play. Just imagine how Steelers fans would have been up in arms if Derek Watt drops that ball, how that would have been the dumbest play ever. But it worked, and it worked very well, and therefore it was brilliant. So sometimes we got to remember the difference between brilliance and stupidity is, is how the people in the field actually execute it. No, you're right. I, I think about that whole drive, that scoring drive, was a great drive. And Brian mentioned this earlier. Yeah. Matt Canada was dialing up really creative, yeah. well-drawn up plays. Until they got goal to go. <laughs> until they get into the red zone or until they get into a goal to go situation. And then you have those other lulls. Now, people need to remember this too. These penalties on the offensive line, especially, they're absolute killers. And yeah. the Steelers were flagged nine times in this game. How many? For nine. There you go. Now you got 60 yards. You got to have some fun with it. It's so bad. You got to have fun. Let's go. I I disagree, (laughs) but that's fine. (laughs) So nine times for 60 yards, they were flagged nine different times. And and again, you look at Philly, they were flagged eight times, nine times. Exactly. Philly had eight penalties for 60 yards, but you know, they have a defensive pass interference call that adds to that. It, I felt really lopsided, the penalties, but that's probably just me with my black and gold glasses on, so take that for what it's worth. All right, let's take a look at the stats here. Kenny Pickett finishes the day 25 of 38 for 191 yards, an average of five yards. He was picked off once, no touchdown, sacked six times, a rating of 66.9. Guys, let's talk about Kenny Pickett here. Uh, Brian, we'll start with you. Not good enough today. Just, I mean, we see these problems over and over again in the fourth quarter, like Dave just said. We're seeing these problems uh, just making those mistakes. Hey, they were not winning the turnover battle, but because, you know, they didn't have any takeaways, but they were protecting the ball very well. And when it came into the fourth quarter, when times got a little bit more desperate, it, it was rough. Once again, I still think Kenny Pickett could be the future of this team, but with the supporting cast that he has right now and what he's doing, he is not doing enough to win. I know he's a rookie. I know there's the growing pains thing. I know all of that, but when you're constantly around that 10, 13 point, you know, mark every single game and you can't get more points and you can't generate something to make you make you at least feel like there's a future, then that's what the big problem is. You know, they had, they had 13 points and they had a chance to score a couple times and they just could not do it. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what the situation was with that last interception. Cause I fell asleep. <laughs> I, I felt I did. I fell asleep. I was, I, I should go back and look at this. So I'm credible on the post game show. Ah, nobody cares. 
Dude, so I, you know, I, I didn't even go and look. So um, oh, it was it was tipped. It was a pass intended for Pat Firemuth over the. It was open. He was open, but the linebacker. Oh, then the linebacker being between the quarterback and, and the him. dude got up. He got his fingertip on the ball. Deflects over top of Firemuth and into the hands of a safety. He just didn't get enough air on the ball. That's all. Yeah. But but hey, I I do I really like Kenny Pickett. But the results are not there, and if you're if you're talking about business decisions right now, you got to keep them in there. However, is the future as bright as I thought it was last week? No. What changed between last week and this week? They didn't win last week. He didn't. He didn't come through in the clutch last week. Yeah, I, and I understand that. But the fact that he was going that he could have run run in with the ball last week, and I figured he would come out being a lot more aggressive and it's just like, but nothing happened again. There was no execution from Kenny Pickett. I mean, he didn't even throw the touchdown pass. Now he got him down there. He got him down there a few times, but he's not a closer and he did not close. Hopefully that's something that uh, he continues to work on and he gets better with, but I'm not as excited right now just for the fact that each and every week you're looking, you, you can't get past 20 points. Uh, the offense is bad. I, I'm going to get these super chats here, Dave, before I throw a review about Kenny Pickett. Sean Manning gives us $5. His, like they said, in necessary roughness. Let's analyze what's been working for us. Not a gosh darn thing has been working for us. That sounds about right. I uh, love that par, movie. For, par for the course for the Pittsburgh Steelers right now as they head into their bye week. And let's get here from uh, Oral Richards. He gives us $5. Uh, Canuck Bucks. Najee needs to lose weight for next season. No quickness. He displays zero special qualities kenny pickett shows the other 31 teams were right well he's picked 20th so not all 31 but that's fine thanks for the tip we appreciate it um let's talk about kenny pickett david your turn what do you think well uh he had the third best rating for a quarterback on the team <laughs> yeah <laughs> with, with behind chase claypool and, and yeah. Najee harris who were both one for one um it's it's not that you can't look out there and look at certain plays and see some nice things. You can you can do that. The problem with the NFL is you have to do that play after play after play, or you have to do it for huge chunk plays. And the Steelers and Kenny Pickett are not doing either. They're not getting a big, long chunk touchdown play. They're not being able to execute enough to go down and score more than a touchdown in a game or, or as in this game, a touchdown on fourth down, you know, and you were aided to even get there by a, by a hold, right? Like a defensive hold at some point to keep that drive going. And then you have all those drives where there's not even a first down that gets so frustrating. So the whole the whole thing is just so inefficient. You can look at it and see good things at certain times, but it's it it's gotta be that play in and play out or that way on on some chunk plays in order to to make it work. And and that's not what you're getting. Longest play of the day, rushing or receiving, was a 25 yard pass to Chase Claypool. I believe that was the one where he caught it and kind of powered his way and backed backpedaled his way with some help from the players and converted a first down. But there, and that, no was, that was like on a first and 20. Yeah. So that was like, oh, great. This job's going to be done. And that was, that was very encouraging to see that one. It's it's with Kenny Pickett. It, it's really difficult to try and gauge, you know, what's going on. You know, I know that Matt, Mike Tomlin in the post game press conference was directly asked, what do you think about Kenny Pickett's play? And he talked about how, you know, when you think about it, he, like he did last week, Dave hated it, but he deferred to the defense and them playing from behind and saying that essentially when you're down by that many scores, well, it makes it very predictable what you're going to have to do. So they were getting home with their pass rush by only rushing four or five players. We'll talk about the offensive line here in a second. They were able to put everyone else back in soft coverage. It'll, it, it limits what you can do. I don't know the game well enough to be able to dive in, nor, nor do I have access to the all 22 to want to, you know, have that look of everything, but it, it, there are some, there are some struggles right now. We'll definitely say that. Um, Sean Manahan gives us $2 said Pickens isn't being schemed open, move him around. Uh, I, I don't know if he's been moved around a, a lot or not. Uh, it's here. Crystal Privet gives us $2. Najee's run and MF are over underneath pass. 
uh, there for him. So yeah, there were some issues with Najee Harris. Uh, I had some real big issues with the the pass he caught underneath and he didn't Uh just get North and South and he tried to dance around and say, God, just get the first down and live to play another day. Well, let's talk about the offensive line before we dive into the receivers or the running backs. The offensive line for the Pittsburgh Steelers surrendered six sacks of Kenny Pickett. They allowed 11 quarterback hits uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles. And the running game, although the numbers were good, uh, a lot of that was uh, kind of lifted up by some late yards, again, by Jalen Warren. They rushed for 20, 24 times for 144 yards, averaging six yards, receiving Kenny Pickett, obviously, you knew he threw for 191, uh, but total as a team, 196. They did have that one touchdown and uh, 40 targets. So what do you all think about the offensive line? Brian, we'll start with you. I thought it, I thought Kenny Pickett was on the run. You know, still, I still don't think Kenny had a great game, but I'm not going to blame it all on the offensive line, but the offensive line gave him no help whatsoever. So there, there you go. I, you know, those late runs, I agree with you. It was not good enough at all in this game from the very start. Dave, you seem to be, you're the offensive line guy on the show. What did you think about the O-line? They, I wouldn't call it a good performance. I, I do grade accordingly based on how good your opponent is. Because think about it, the team's got a weak defensive line and your offensive line does a real nice job of protecting the quarterback. But look who they're going up against. They were going up against the best defensive line in the NFL, in my opinion. They, they were. So they had a tall task ahead of them. Did they step up and overachieve and step up to the challenge? I would say no. Do I think that they were absolutely garbage and it was, and it was a big setback for them as well? I don't think that was the case either. To me, the most concerning thing with the offensive line is the things – and like I said, it could just be – things that the NFL were nitpicking this year that they aren't like where they're, when you go to line up, how much leeway will they give the, the offensive tackles to in, in order to, you know, before they're in the backfield, because when you're going up against a good defensive line, it's really nice to get as much of an advantage as you can. It's kind of like the same thing. How, how early do they let the tackles leg kick before the ball snaps? You know, the, you see it all the time. Well, next thing you know, the NFL could turn around and decide, we're going to call it if it's anywhere close. And all of a sudden, then you get all these offside, you know, false start penalties, false start penalties. You're like, why can't they do this right? It's because the NFL changed the way they were doing it. That's exactly what they've done with illegal man downfield. That's why you see it more than just with the Steelers. It's kind of ridiculous. But if they let teams know that's what they're going to do, you have to adjust. So the most frustrating thing for, for me with the offensive line today is because I expect that there, I mean, my goodness, the one time did you just see Jordan Davis completely eat alive Mason Cole. I mean, Mason Cole doesn't have a chance against Jordan Davis. That guy is just – I feel terrible that he got injured because that guy is just unreal. But at the same time, when you're having those other things going on, the illegal formations, the the holds, the, the legal man's downfield, that's not part of crisp play. No, I thought the offensive line played pretty awful today. And it was a tall task, like Dave said. I'm not – credit to the Eagles. They do have a tremendous defensive front, but Kevin Dotson was turning it. Javon Hargrave had his way. I mean, he had his way with it with, with whoever was, he was lined up over, which most of the time was Kevin Dotson. And is, it was just frustrating. And he, that, I think about the offensive line and it changes the way that Matt Canada can call the game. He doesn't, if he doesn't trust that protection, everyone said they like, get in Mike Tomlin's post game press conference. Hey, why aren't you throwing the ball down the field? And he goes, well, we weren't sure if we could hold up. I mean, you're going to dial up an eight-step drop for Kenny Pickett if you don't think that he's going to be able to plant his foot and turn around without someone right in his face. That impacts everything. This was a complete failure of a game from top to bottom. Coaches, every single player, it's not just one guy on any side of it. Let's go to Isaac Aguilera. Gives us $2. Can someone tell Najee to stop dancing? I'm sure someone, just maybe a few people, head over head over there on his Twitter, and I'm sure they'll tell him how they feel. Uh, about all that stuff. But let's talk about the running game since you bring up Najee Harris. Steelers, like I said, rushed for 144, 24 carries. Jalen Warren led it with six carries for 50 yards. Kenny Pickett had seven carries for 37 yards. Najee Harris, eight carries for 32. Steven Sims, two for 21. And Marcus Allen on the fake punt, one 
for four yards for the first down. What did y'all think of the running game? Brian, we'll start with you. You know what? I'm starting to think that Najee might not be the guy in a second season. I don't know what the reason is, but when you have, uh, I know they're looking at some other things when you're, there was one play, I think it was a draw play on second down early in the game when, when uh, Jalen Warren had a great run and Romo brought it up. It's like, Hey, you could do that. Everyone was thinking pass there. So are you going to make excuses that Warren's getting, getting uh, better runs because they're crossing him up? Or is it the fact that he's outplaying Najee Harris? And right now I'm starting to think that he's outplaying Najee Harris. I hate to say it. Najee Harris is one of my favorite players. I don't know what's going on. I, he does not look like the same guy that played last year. And we could talk about the injury that happened on the first uh, the first game of tra- the first day of training camp. We could talk about that all you want, but I I just don't know. Uh, I mean, he said you know the uh, metal plates out of his shoe, so uh, he should be better, but he's not. He had a very nice run in the third or fourth quarter that I thought was phenomenal. That showed that showed why he has his name Najee Harris. But yeah, I just don't think that he is anything that's going to lift this team right now. Tyler W gives us five dollars that those Warren yards are fool's gold. When we wanted to run, we couldn't until garbage time. And he's right; they they had the pre event, they had their their light defense in, and that's obviously when they were able to actually move the football on the ground. And Jalen Warren got a lot of his yards in the fourth quarter. But Dave, what are your thoughts on the running game? All right. Well, first of all, I think I think the word that I just came up with might be the word that. that uh, t- tell me if this fits when you're talking about the difference with Jalen Warren versus Najee Harris. How about the word zip? Just seems like like Jalen Warren has more zip when he gets the ball. He just gets it and goes, and it's and that can be beneficial when you use it to your advantage. And it, I, I don't know a reason why that you wouldn't want zip. But Tyler W, I'm kind of a little bit frustrated. He kind of stole my thunder because I was going to say, yeah, the Steelers, yeah, on paper it looks like they they did great. You know, me being a numbers guy. Oh, 144 yards rushing in this game. 56 of them came in the fourth quarter. 56 of them came in the fourth quarter. So more than a third of the yards came in the fourth quarter. You know, Najee Harris had one for nine. Steven Sims had one for 11. Kenny Pickett had one for eight. And Jalen Warren had four for 28. So you look at that, the only reason that those stats are are somewhat respectable in the running game is because of the garbage time stuff when it was available because that's what the defense was willing to give you. So Tyler W is exactly right there. When the Steelers wanted to run the ball and when running the ball officially would have been beneficial, you know, like maybe in a one score game. Yeah. They got nothing. They got nothing. I'm, I'm pretty sure um, that in the first quarter, the Steelers had 27 yards rushing. And it was one yard from Najee Harris. You had 12 from Jalen Warren and you had 14 from Kenny Pickett, you know, at a, at a time when it really would have mattered. Okay. They only had 24 rushing yards in the second quarter. So that just kind of goes to show that when they would like to run the football, it's just, it's just not happening. You use the word zip. Is that what it was? To yeah. I went with zip. I would use the word decisive. Okay. He gets the ball and he goes. He doesn't hesitate. He doesn't think, is this the right hole? It's I have the ball. I'm going to there. That's where I'm supposed to go. I'm going there. If this, if you're there. I'm going to run up your back. I'm going to knock you over. And we might gain just two yards. And Najee Harris is doing a lot of the indecisive. I'm not so sure. We saw it with Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell is a different beast. He would hesitate, hesitate, hit the hole, gone. And Najee Harris is not that type of back. It almost seems as if they should be reversed. <laughs> yeah. Najee Harris with his size should be the decisive one that says, I'll run up your back. I'm going to gain three, four yards a clip. I, I don't get it either. The running game for the Steelers has been so hit or miss, and it's been way more missed than hits. I mean, they have not run the ball well this season, and that's a continuation of last season. They invest in the offensive line while pass protection has been good up until today. They're still not run blocking well. And so this is, is it a scheme thing? Well, they bring in a new offensive line coach. Is it bad? Who knows? I don't know. I really don't. Alex Flores gives us $5. His Hargrave made the Steelers pay. Harris is doing too much. Why does he keep hurdling people? 
I don't know why he keeps hurdling people. I, I don't know that he had a successful hurdle today. So maybe it was attempting to hurdle people. Yeah. Sean Manning gives us two dollars and so Jeff, you mean he doesn't dance? I I, I don't even you sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the pass catchers here as we round out the offense. The Steelers passing. Uh I can't believe I can't believe that George Pickens had zero catches for zero yards, but they did. Pat Fryermuth leads the team. Four catches for 57 yards along of 21. Claypool, four for 45 along of 25. Deontay Johnson, five catches on nine targets for 35 yards. Najee Harris, six for 26. Jalen Jalen Warren, three for 25. Derek Watt had two catches for six yards and a touchdown. Zach Gentry. Because remember, he had the first catch of the game. Right, for five yards. (laughs) So, okay, uh, let's talk about the pass catchers. Brian, what do you think? How many targets did Fryermuth have? Fryermuth had seven. I almost, four, I almost read the long, wrong number. I almost said 21, but that was as long. <laughs> yes, no, that would not have been good. Four catches on seven targets. Here's here's the thing again. I Same as I'm going to say about last week, I did not, besides the fact that are these guys getting open well enough, I don't see that they're dropping passes. So I... I don't know what's going on with the passing game. Is it not? It seems like the ball's not getting to them properly, maybe, but I don't know how bad that the receivers were. In fact, I, I think my gosh, I think Fryermuth should have 20 targets a game. Now just put Kelsey uh, say his name. Tell me he's Travis Kelsey and just go out there because I think that's your best chance in offense right now that maybe that'll open some things up, but I don't, have you guys noticed a lot of drops? No. Drops, no. I've noticed a lot of miscommunication, which is what yes. I was going to talk about, and that's an issue. Yeah. Um, uh, but we'll get let Dave go. Go ahead, Dave. Um, pass catchers, right? Yes. Okay. Just making sure I didn't I didn't get my lines mixed up again. Um, yeah, it was frustrating with with everything with Pickens. You got to realize that. They talked about it on the on the broadcast that it is rare to be this far into the season and for a team to have the number one and number two ranked cornerback in the NFL. So they, I think they had kind of made the decision that they weren't going to let Pickens get going and and hurt him. I don't think that was a very good call for offensive pass interference. The other play that they said that Tomlin should have challenged, I'll be honest with you, I don't. I'm okay they didn't challenge it because I don't think they would have overturned it, but I don't think it was the right call. I think I I think they would have they would have because it was so close, they would have stuck with the call no matter what it was on the field. But I think the call on the field should have been that he caught it. So um it, it that was in the first half, so it might not have hurt to throw the challenge there just just to see. But I, I think they ended up getting the first down eventually anyway. Um so that was what was going on with Pickens. I, I don't know. If they just, I would have to go back and just look at it and say, "All right, so what's the what's the deal? Is he really? What is it that they're just not looking his way, or they're not having him run very good routes? Is he only running go routes? Is he only doing whatever? Because it's kind of, I, I don't know if he should be the option. So, so that's interesting. I mean, Pat Fairmuth, yeah, was targeted seven times, but that the one was so far over his head he pulled his arms down cuz he assumed it was going to someone else behind him and then the other one was the interception that got hit away you know 5 yards before it even gets to him so he didn't have a prayer at that one so it's i don't know if they just need more work together to not have the miscommunication issues is probably the biggest thing other other than that um Unless you're unless you're trying to look at every receiver on every play, which in one in one live broadcast we can't do, I I don't know if there's an issue if there's a much of an issue there or not. Sean Manning gives us another five dollars. Says Pickens zero catches because he was always lined up against the top cornerback. They didn't move him around to get him lined up against maybe a linebacker or a safety. Again, I don't. That know. is, I, I would not be shocked about that. But I don't know how comfortable they are putting him in the slot if he knows that position yeah. if he knows what to do there I, I i don't know those things but you know for me it, i, I want to talk about deontay johnson based on the fact that it seems like since he came to the league i mean when you think about when ben was a quarterback you'd always see those plays where they're coming off the field and they're like talking like oh, well we i don't see what's going on like it, it was a miscommunication 
And then Mitch, it was the same thing. And then now it's it's Kenny Pickett, and it's the same thing. Well, who's the common denominator? Like, what is going on that all That's these pass point. plays are the quarterback is reading one thing and the receiver is reading another? That that should not be the case. I mean, when you think when you think about the the best offenses in the game, whether it's Philadelphia, which we saw today, whether it's the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, you can name a bunch of them. It's almost like they have that connection where heck, think about Ben when when Antonio Brown was in town. They knew, they always knew where the other was going. Rarely did you see a miscommunication. With these players, especially Deontay Johnson, there's more miscommunications than there is actual connections. And so I asked myself, like, what is going on? Where's the disconnect? The quarterback is reading a coverage, whether it's, you know, Kenny Pickett talked about this last week in Miami. He said that his back, the defender's back was to the quarterback. He was expecting Deontay Johnson to come back to the ball, to, to the front pylon. And he never did. He was going to the back pile. And there was a similar situation with that again on Sunday. I don't get it. Uh, it's one of those things where I hate to say this, but that, that contract they gave that guy at the beginning of the season is really <laughs> looking bad. Um, I it's, it's just, it is, it's just one of those really like, are you serious that they gave this guy what was a two year extension? Is that what it was? Yeah. Extent extension. So but still two years, years on to this one. one. So after this one, two more years, sweet. All right. Let's go, you know, let's have a word from our sponsors uh, on the audio side. We'll be right back after this. All right, and we're back, and it's time to talk more Steelers. This time we're talking about the defense. I know, yay, they surrender a lot of yards, a lot of points again. And as Sean Manahan says, who gave us $2, business is not booming these days. No, it is not. So let's talk about the defense. Jalen Hurts, the quarterback of the Eagles, goes 19 of 28. 285 yards, a 10.2 yard average, four touchdowns. He was sacked three times. We'll talk about that. A rating of 140.6. The biggest target, let's talk about this. A.J. Brown, six catches for 156 yards, a 26-yard average, 43-yard long, three touchdowns on 11 targets. Unbelievable stuff. Uh, Let's talk about – you know what? This is the best way to do it. I'm going to read the rest of their (laughs) – receivers dallas goddard six for 64 he didn't drop a pass zach pascal two catches he had a touchdown 57 yards Devonta smith five catches 23 yards eight targets and then a couple others this literally was the big name players goddard brown especially absolutely annihilating the steelers defense let's talk about the pass defense first brian we'll start with you Oh, goodness. Uh, First and foremost, I took A.J. Brown out of my FanDuel lineup because I was trying to trim some salary there. And I was like, and I was all excited uh, because, you know, even though I was upset, I'm like, well, at least I have A.J. Brown. And I look and I don't have him anymore because I took him out. Um, Just bad coaching on my part for my my team there. But I I will say this, you know, the pass defense (laughs) and this is if and buts. But if Minka can just get there on that first play, I think uh, I, I don't think he has three touchdown receptions. He might have one. I, I think the I think that game changes a little bit. We're never gonna know. I, I just really then they found a combination that was working. They kept on going back, and there's nothing that the Steelers could have done about it. They went back to him a fourth time, and Terrell Edmonds made a good play. But you know, you have so many times that, I mean, they could have probably done that more and more and more. They, they made Hertz look absolutely fabulous. I'm not saying that he, he wasn't great to begin with, but I tell you what, that, that game, as soon as that, that pass connected, even though the score could have been seven to seven at one point, you know, I mean, it was seven to seven at one point or 14 to seven. I, I, I don't even remember. I'm just so sick about this game. All I'm going to say is, you know, that could have been a different story. You could have gotten a lot of momentum out of one pass break breakup if you did it earlier. It was seven to seven at the end of the first quarter. That's right. Believe it or not. Grayson Brown gives us ten dollars. Says Dave, how do you how do the Steelers get more than one first round draft pick? They need a lockdown corner, inside linebacker, and defensive line help. This is what a losing season looks like. Every team experiences this. This is true. A lot this- of teams. Did I say something about the Steelers? No, I think draft? he's asking you. Oh, oh, I thought he was accusing me of saying something crazy. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't I think, think I said really... anything. Okay, no. I get it now. I get it now. Um, honestly, 
un unless you have great assets to trade away, well, then, I mean, if you actually had them, why would you want to trade them? And to, to get multiple first round picks, you don't. I mean, the honestly, you know how you get multiple first round draft picks when you have a high draft pick one year and you trade it away and you get a, and you trade back and you get an additional first the next year. That's really about, I mean, not the only way, but it's one of the better ways to do it. Or if you, you know, look at these teams that, you know, traded away quarterbacks or high name wide receivers and got some, some really nice draft picks. I mean, uh, Cleveland had what three first round draft picks forward at times. Now they don't have one for years. Yeah. So it's, it's, that's not the way the Steelers have. It's not, I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. I'm just saying they haven't had the opportunity to do these things. And that's why they haven't had multiple picks. Okay. Uh, I'll let you go ahead and talk about the uh, past defense too, Dave, since uh, you didn't get a chance to talk about that. Oh, I didn't No, Sure. Super it, uh, okay. It kind of reminds me a little bit like the last time the Pittsburgh Steelers played the Philadelphia Eagles and the run defense. They had been shutting down Miles Sanders and everything the whole game, except for one like 76 yard run. Okay. It just goes to remind you that you could make you could make a great play on pass defense. But if you don't come out and make another great play on the next play and the next play and the next play then it doesn't matter. It wasn't that the Steelers didn't have any good plays in pass defense all day. They had some nice ones. The problem was, though, when they didn't have them, which was just as often, if not more often, than when they actually had some, some, you know, a couple, a couple times they, they broke up. I mean, who was it? Cam Sutton had a couple nice plays early on, mm -hmm. but you've got to, that's the thing with defense. You've got to do it every single play because it only takes one play to make it all go downhill and, and totally ruin everything. So to me, that epitomizes the Steelers pass defense. You could, you could come and you could cover, you know, AJ Brown, fantastic on 20 pass plays, but on five of them where he busts out for that many yards, all the rest of them don't matter. I'm going to say, I'm gonna, I'll be honest. I think that Minka Fitzpatrick had a really bad game. Yeah, he did. Um, you could tell that it, it was that first play. And, and that's something that Brian mentioned. That's a play that Minka Fitzpatrick, we've seen Minka Fitzpatrick make that play a bunch of times since he came to Pittsburgh. And he didn't high point the ball. That's, that's what it came down to. Um, yeah. I don't know what he was expecting. AJ Brown cut in front of him. I don't, I don't know. And, and this is kind of the second time we've seen this type of Minka. We saw it against Buffalo too, where. He just wasn't making the plays. I don't know what's going on. It seems to be on par for the rest of the team, uh, but you expect certain players to make certain plays. And in this game, he didn't make those plays. So uh, it was a frustration. I'm sure not just for the fan base, but also for him. And uh, yeah, the pass defense was, was subpar. Akella Witherspoon, like I think Dave mentioned earlier, got benched for James Pierre, who was the lone injury of no with a foot injury during the game. So uh, heading into the bye week, uh, it's just, it's just not good. It's not a good spot. We'll put it that way. Uh, Keystone Cigar Fiend gave us a dollar ninety nine. Said, "What is the big draft slash free agent need? Cornerback or offensive line? I, I don't really want to talk too much about draft needs and free agent needs, but if you were to answer the question, Brian, which way are you going? They need everything right now. <laughs> but I mean, if, if I'm saying what they need, I'm looking at defensive line." Or then I could turn around and say cornerback. Or I could turn, I, I don't know. I could change my answer in 10 minutes. But right now, I'm thinking, what's going on up front? I, I would probably get a, a defensive lineman. Okay. Dave, just to answer the question. Very simple. You've got nine games <laughs> to figure out if you could try to cover at any one position better than the other to then ha have a better idea to answer that question. Yeah, I agree. Is that a cop out? I hope it's no, not. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. They are just at the bye week. They still have a lot of football left to figure not... out what they have going forward, if yeah. nothing else. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, I know that one of the podcasts I'm going to do on Let's Ride over the bye week is which players are going to be a part of this rebuild and which ones won't. And it's yeah. trying to figure Good out question. which wh where they go. So, all right, let's uh, take a look at the running game for the Philadelphia Eagles. Miles Sanders, nine for 78 is long was a 21 yard long. He had 8.7 yards per rush. Boston Scott had seven for 21. Jalen hurts two for 10. 
They rushed for 111 yards on 20 carries, but they didn't have to run it that much. Not when you put up 308 yards of offense or receiving. Um, any any thoughts on that? And I'll, I guess I'll throw in here. Uh, Minka did lead the, lead the team with tackles with six total, five solo tackles. He did have one pass defense. Uh, Cam Sutton had two pass defenses. Malik Reed had a quarterback hit for sack as a stealer. Cameron Hayward had a sack. And Carlos Davis, an L- practice squad elevation guy, comes up and makes a play. Uh, the Steelers finished with four quarterback hits and three sacks. Uh, so let's uh, – anything else to add about the defense? They had zero takeaways. Didn't even get the ball in the turf at all. Brian, we'll go start with you. You got to make – you got to make plays to get some takeaways. Let me talk about Philadelphia real quick. I'm going to channel Mike Tomlin and give them credit. Wow, is that a good offense? That's actually a complete team. Like from offense to defense with everything that they've got, they have a really good team there. And I feel like for the uh, the only other time that the Steelers were truly, when I say truly outclassed and did not have a chance, I kind of felt it was the Buffalo game and this game here. Dave? Yeah, Brian summed that up pretty good. That it was, that, you know, tip your hat to that organization for – for for just kind of bringing it all together um to to where they are right now um and maybe you know <laughs> hope that the Steelers got a piece of that organization that can that, that can maybe uh try to do some more of the same because it looks like they're headed in the right direction i, I said before beware to you know i would say to any philadelphia eagles fan right now I said hey just beware you know you don't want to you don't want to start the season with a winning streak Asked the Steelers in 2020, you want to end the season with a winning streak. So things could, things are great now, but when you really want things to be great is in January and February. So we'll see if we're still singing their praises the same way then. Based on things and how they're going, I think we will be, but it, you, you just don't know um, when things could kind of um, fall apart or you know, somebody finds a little something that they can then exploit. But now back to just overall defense, it just, it, it, it seemed like they were, they were outclassed. I mean, and even the Steelers defense that you, that you, uh, Kello Witherspoon, he was struggling. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick was not having a good day. Um, there was, they just, it's almost like this team, had two weeks to get ready for the Pittsburgh Steelers and actually spent the time doing it because they knew it seemed like they knew who to go after, who to make sure you're, you're getting two guys on um, who do you want to avoid? Hey, if they're going to do this well, so we need to counter by doing that. Well, Um, it just was not, it, it was not in the cards. When you think about the, the offenses, the steam has faced so far this season. I mean, you know, the Bengals in week one, but then you had like the Jets, you know, the Jets offense. That was Zach Wilson's first game back. Brees Hall's kind of, he, you know, he really made a name for himself that that point on. He's obviously out for the season. The Bills, we saw that firsthand. Tampa Bay, although they're struggling right now, they still do have Tom Brady. They still do have Mike Evans, uh, Chris Godwin, all those players. We are with the Dolphins on primetime. You're talking about a high-flying offense. The Eagles high-flying offense. It, it's not that the schedule softens. It does. But at the same time, this we knew this stretch was going to be difficult for a lot of reasons. And for the defense, they were going to have they were going to be up against it, especially without TJ Watt. And so TJ Watt, who was not activated this week, will be coming back after the bye week. I'm assuming De- DeMonte KZ will be coming back after the bye week. And we'll see if this team can string together some wins and make something out of this season. But let's finish it up with some final thoughts. Brian, go ahead. All right, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a bye next week, and man, that sucks for me because no matter how bad I felt watching this game, I'm going to feel worse not having the Steelers to watch. And that's what happens when you are a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. You want to watch them at every chance that you can, and you always have that hope that they're going to do what they need to do to win. That did not happen today. That has not happened a lot in 2022. I'm going to look for something to write and talk about in the next few weeks. And it's, I know what it's going to be. I know it's going to be all about how they can build during this season for the future 
and not and try to get a miracle. I know that's crazy, but all I know is that I can't stop. I'm addicted to this team. This team ends up two and fifteen. I know I'll be here till the end. And I'm sure a lot of you will be too. You'll be complaining, and I don't blame you. I will be too, but you'll be here, and that's great. Dave, final thoughts. Oh, I kind of like what Tyler W. just put up in the live chat that he said you know, on his optimistic take. He's like, the Steelers just sent one and three in a stretch where everyone was trying to claim they were going to go well one four. So, you know, I the Steelers are two and six. I had them at at three and five at, at, at the bye when the schedule came out. And that was with TJ Watt. And that was, you know, with, with everything else. I'm not saying that, oh, that means that the Steelers could turn around and still win nine or ten games. I, I, that's This team has to worry about getting good enough to complete a, to complete a drive, to then complete a victory, to then stack victories. You've, there's certain things you have to do in order. Like you, you can't – if you're going to settle for field goals and not, and not be very efficient in the red zone, you're not going to score enough points to win. And if you're not going to win games, you're not going to have a very good record. There, there's so much that they need to do to get there. It's not, it's not like last week where with the Steelers, they had seven drives in the second half where any one of those drives that they score a touchdown, they take the lead and hopefully win the game. That's not this week. This week was they they were, I mean, I, really they were in it up until the the first turnover because they had the ball, they were moving, they could have scored to bring it within one score, but it's being cl close to say you're in it in the third quarter doesn't mean that you're even going to make it anywhere close. There's so much that goes into to to doing it. So what they ultimately need to do is they've got to tighten up. They've got to tighten up over the bye week. They've got to, you know, they, I don't care if they have 130 offensive plays. I'd rather them have 40 offensive plays that they run very precisely and crisply. I would. I don't care how complex their defensive scheme is. I don't want them to telegraph it, but I'd rather them have a full grasp and understand exactly what they're doing so well that they that they just do it well. So I, you can't have the pre-snap penalties or the formation penalties and things like that. So those are the kind of thing that this team needs to needs to bring together. But now you're at the bye week. I don't know about how the Steelers are going to handle it, but I know how I'm kind of handling it. I'm kind of hitting the reset button. All right, how is this team going to play from the bye week on? You know, and I'm and that's what I'm looking for. I want to look for improvement. I want to look for growth and. Um, I want to go to a game. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be at the next one. So um, it's still love our team. It's just, man, I'd really like to see them bring it together a little bit faster than what it is. But that's kind of when you make your quarterback change, change three and a half games in, once you made the decision, you had to stick with it. But you almost have to kind of uh, – the question I'm going to ask you guys, I know I'm kind of going on a little bit of my closing thoughts is was that change. There was the quarterback change at that time. Was that what was best for the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2022? Or was that the best thing in Kenny Pickett's development for the future? Cause I don't think the answer is yes for that second question. And I think that's part of the problem is that if that, if playing Kenny Pickett, to, to, to say, hey, the last thing we want to do is be two and six and have it be under Mitch Trubisky where we're not really learning anything about Pickett. That's true. But at the same time, if Kenny Pickett really needed more of that time, and I know all of a sudden I'm going to get people saying, oh, he was the most pro-ready quarterback out of a terrible quarterback class. So you guys put it in context. Oh, he, he's 24. You know, still, it doesn't matter. Every player is different. Um but you can't you can't question it now. All you can do is say, "Hey, hopefully it can come together for him sooner than later," and keep going forward. I just want to see improvement. Like that, yeah. that's 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 literally it. I, I want to have which sums up what I said in five minutes in about 10 yeah. Minutes. <laughs> I, I want to see something that gives you a glimmer of hope. I don't care if it's offense, defense, special teams, whatever. Just give me something. That was one of the most deflating things about the loss in week eight was that there was nothing of no marks of improvement by anyone, no one. 
not one glimmer where you're like, oh, well, at least they did that. No, nothing, nothing. So they have two weeks to sit in this stench, as Mike Tomlin would call it, and we'll see how they come out of it. I'm not uber hopeful, but I'm hoping for improvement. We'll put it that way. Uh, next week, there is no game, so there will be no post-game show, but we still will have all of your podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you check us out, uh, not just those on YouTube and on Facebook Live, but also on our audio-only side. You can go anywhere where you get your podcast, search Steelers, or behind the steel curtain, you'll find us. You can subscribe or follow whatever that platform requires. You'll get shows like my let's ride every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Brian's bad language, the Steelers hangover and Dave Schofield stat geek and the Scobro show and all that good stuff right there in one place. So make sure you check it out. Stay with us fans. It's going to be a rocky road, but we'll be with you every step of the way. Gentlemen, good show. We'll see you next time. Everybody else gets a little tight.